Welcome to the Off Trail Podcast. I'm Constantine. And I'm Magpie. And this is a show about light outdoors. Come take a step with us into what it takes to be a hiker, backpacker, rock climber, cyclist, or any other type of outdoor adventure. Let's get to stepping. Hey folks, it's Constantine. So I wanted to pop in here before the show to unpack a few things. First off, welcome back. It has been a few weeks since we've had a show for y'all, so... Yeah, the first thing I wanted to unpack is that the Off Trail podcast is going to be picking up again, and we're excited to bring you a lot more interviews with hikers and a lot of just fascinating people in the outdoors. And the second thing that we wanted to unpack and involve y'all with is, as this show has grown, the very name Off Trail was born with the concept of this show to be about the time hikers spend off trail. And that's still really where our passion lies and where a lot of our questions tend to kind of go towards when we're talking with folks. But we're looking at potentially changing the name of the podcast, um, rebranding, if you will. So we wanted to involve you all and see what you all thought about that. If you had any thoughts, any comments, any suggestions about a new name that might encompass more of where this show is going. As the show has grown these past few months, this past year... Yeah, we've had a lot of off-trail chats with a lot of off-trail hikers. We've also had a lot of weird kind of rambly type episodes, weird what is this type trail episode. And the term off-trail podcast seems to just be limiting too much because that is what we talk about. It seems we're branching out to different types of things that revolve around the outdoors, backpacking, hiking, rock climbing, whatever activity it is, whatever ramble it is. So if y'all have any suggestions, comments, or anything of that nature about what we could potentially name this to encompass more of the feel of this show, let us know. Shoot us a DM over at Off Trail Podcast on Instagram. Shoot us an email at offtrailpodcast at gmail.com or find some other way in the Ethernet, Internet universe. You'll probably find us somewhere to reach out to us and let us know. So yeah, that was kind of the unpacking we wanted to do, so... We hope you enjoy this week's interview with Eric Kipperman. It was fantastic. Absolutely loved the energy of this show. So this was already too long of a ramble. Hope you enjoy the show. Okay, welcome back to the Off Trail Podcast. Today we have a guest on. So I'm going to put a disclaimer in here like I just told him. I apologize beforehand for all the mumbling stumbling on my part. So our guest is Pure Stoke or Eric Kipperman. So Eric, thanks for joining, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Yeah, man. I'm Constantine. <laughs> Either one. Like we were just chatting before hopping on the show, trying to find that balance. So, dude, I gotta, I gotta get a little more Ryan in my life. Definitely. So the first question that we like to start the show with: it's broad, it's open ended, kind of get a feel for who you are. That's the very question: is who are you? Ooh, that's a big question. Well, my name's Eric. I'm from New Hampshire. Uh, I am currently an accountant. I well, I like to call it a professional sitter. <laughs> I work mostly the tax seasons, and then I'm going to try to spend my time in the summer, in the warmer months, adventuring. That's the life goal. But uh, yeah, right now I'm an accountant. Now I'm transitioning back into those roles as i come off my first long trail mind me asking how old you are i'm 26 years old 26 man young did you uh like me i had a buddy told me that once you hit the age of 25 you start feeling those back problems do you notice that about a year ago 
Definitely. I feel like the 23 to 24 year old like life, you like are invincible and you have like this window of opportunity. And now I'm 26 and old and decrepit. I definitely feel the aches and pains much more. Man, I remember I remember when he was telling me because he was like 28 and I'm just like, there's no way. 25 is just a number. There's no way you hit this mark and all of a sudden your body starts going downhill. Next morning and when I turned 25, woke up with back problems. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally feel it exponentially increasing. Yeah, man. So well, I was really excited, man. I was pumped to speak to you because let's go a little bit into this year. You said you just finished up a hike. Can you walk me through that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, I hiked my first long trail, which was the Continental Divide Trail. I uh, started on April 24th down Crazy Cook Monument and uh, made my way up to Canada at the Chief Mountain Monument. Uh, I didn't go to the Waterton one, but definitely want to check that out at some point. And what was your finish date? I finished on, uh, what was the last month? This is September, August 18th, so 117 days. Oh, man, so the weather out there is still probably really nice. Oh, yeah, it was really nice, and we, like, I think we skirted through everything in, uh, like, Montana um, area before, like, the wildfire season really kicked off, so we didn't really have to take any time off or, like, were hindered by any of the smoke in the air. What about the wildfire season, that early, early stuff down in New Mexico? Because my time frame, I was actually pretty close to you around that late April, early May down in New Mexico when the Gila fire started up there. Yeah, it was pretty wild out there. I'm sure, as you know, like the two, 300,000 acre fires that were in New Mexico, like the Las Vegas fire and the Black Fire. Were you guys able to get around that properly? Because, I mean, for listeners, like the CDT has so many alternates that you guys have to take an alt. How how you guys move your way around that, or were you through that window pretty pretty quickly? So we got to Cuba two days before the national forest was issuing the the full closure of all like the national forests in uh, New Mexico. Yeah. So we gathered ourselves there. We could have like gone into the forests like that morning that they closed before eight o'clock when the people would be at the trailheads like telling you you can't go in, but. We looked to our moral compasses and decided just to skip up to Chama and uh, keep going on our hike north from there. Nice. Because that's why I kind of wanted to get in depth with it a little bit, because especially as a first trail, you kind of, and with it being the CDT, you have to break out of that purism mindset very quickly because you have fires, you have alternates. The entire nature of that trail is just pick a route and go. So what were the feelings like that? Because... It was your first long-distance hike, and you were, what, about 500 miles in, and already weather was throwing, like, wrinkles in your plan. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah, that's, like, a great question. Because, like, the Appalachian Trail is, like, follow the white blazes. You know, if you deviate from the trail, then it's, like, some people don't consider it, like, a walk of the AT. But, like, the CVT, like, I'm getting driven down a crazy cook, like, the the driver that was driving us, Cal, he grew up in um, the boot heel, but he was like telling us, like, most people take the road, you know, because you'd get cut up by cat's claw out in the, uh, the desert. So you can take the road and like, that's way easier. That's what we'd recommend. So it was right in the beginning, like the alternate, like alternates were like an option and like we're the preferred option. And like mm-hmm. the person that was giving us the ride was telling us that. So like right away you're like okay you have to be adaptive you know you can't just stick to what the what gut hooker far out represents as the trail because that might not be like what works for you 
So as soon as you started, the mindset was already there of, okay, this trail is pretty much one giant alternate. If I'm having a journey, <laughs> if I'm hiking, as long as I choose a route and it's a route that follows the continental divide or as close as possible, it's like, that's going to be my trail experience. Exactly. Yeah. So when we were like, got up to Cuba and they're like, all right, like the fires are going to be closed. And um, at that point I had been hiking with this trail family consisting, I think we were like six people and two of them were friends with someone that worked for the CDTC. So we actually got to have like dinner mm -hmm. with the guy who does the routing and he was in Cuba, like looking for alternates for people through the fire. And we talked to him through over tacos and stuff. And he expressed that either going to do the road walk, like an 80 mile road walk or just skip up. Um, and luckily ghost ranch had a shuttle from, there's like a free shuttle from ghost ranch to Chama. So it was like easy enough to get a ride to ghost ranch and then take the shuttle up to Chama. Yeah, funny enough, like I said, I was down there in that fire season window too, and Magpie and I were over at Ghost Ranch, and we see a random hiker, like we were there two or three days after the entire forest closed down around that area, and we see a hiker coming in, we're like, wait, what? And the guy was doing that road walk, and he's like, this is just miserable, man, I should have just bounced ahead, so I, I, this is going to be a very broad question, and I don't know if you're going to be able to answer it right now or further in the show, but do you think that early in the hike, being forced to choose alternates and let the trail kind of be your guide, it added to that through hike or took away from the through hike? I think it added to the through hike. And I know that that's just answering it right now, but yeah. I think it definitely added to the through hike in the sense of like, this is grand adventure and you can't have everything planned. So just go with the flow and the beauty will reveal itself to you. Oh, I, lo I love that. Yeah. So you, you got up into Colorado, and I'm assuming you got there pretty early season. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> the San Juans definitely had snow. and All, all the locals are like, oh, yeah, low snow year, you know. They're like, <laughs> okay. And like southern San Juans, we got like two nights where we got snowed on like three, four inches. So <sighs> I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, low snow year. <laughs> I was in the same boat, man. They were just telling me, yeah, low snow year. I'm like, were you up there? Like... That snow is chest high. That is not low snow in any... The, the qualifications are very different here. I know. Literally, yeah. So it was pretty wild. Um, tried to do the San Juans proper, like the sea route, but um, I don't know if you did that when you did your CDT, but there's this area called the Knife's Edge right after the Creed cutoff, and we did that. But on the Knife's Edge, you can either take the high route or the low route down to a pond and then go back to the trail. And on the high route, it was like, it was like over a cliff and you just have to be boot packing like your way across with an ice axe. The low route looked not that much better. So we <laughs> decided to go on the middle route, even worse, I think. We did the same thing. We did the exact same thing. There was a cliff, was cliff wall to your left and then to the right, it was like that you had a little bit of a line to get around but then it hit a sheer wall on the bottom too so the middle route was super sketch it was like so scary just like barely not even knowing how you were like still standing on like the loose sand and rocks and snow that you were on it was oh like six days of food in your back like <laughs> <laughs> so you're about a month into your through hike at this point and <laughs> this is your first trail you've got in just 
beat down by the desert, and all of a sudden Colorado's throwing all this stuff out at you. How how you feeling? I was like so excited and it was so beautiful, but I was also very fearful at the same time. Mm-hmm. We were hiking with this sixty two year old dude, and he was definitely hurting. And the people we were hiking with were like very ambitious, strong hikers. So, like we all figured it would be good to stay together in this area. So it was kind of hard managing all of people, all of the wants and like the actuality, you know, like it'd be nice to do 30 miles today, but that doesn't look like we're going to do 30 miles today, you know? No, sometimes the, sometimes the physicality of the trail just decides for you. Like it's sometimes, I mean, it's always a quote unquote possibility, but unless you want to hike from 2am to 4am the next day, I mean, it's, it's not really like if you want to enjoy the hike, it's not really a possibility. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, that was quite difficult, but yeah, we, uh, didn't stay on the, the San Juan proper, like the, whatever it's called, the the actual CDT. We ended up after the knife's edge getting to Squaw Creek trail and took the Squaw Creek trail down to the Rio Grande reservoir. We coined it the the great reservoir alternate instead (laughs) of like the creed cutoff. I love it. it ideas that but we went down to the reservoir and then walked up this valley um to like the high point of the colorado trail was it i'm curious was it bushwhacking down to there or route finding because like it's all it's all snow packed up at those elevations but to cut across did you have to like route find no it was actually like really awesome maintained trails that were very beautiful saw tons of elk on it it was like honestly really nice and that was like the big first alternate i took where like it was like taking ownership of the alternate instead of just looking at gut hook it was like all right let's look at gaia let's look at um all lays maps let's figure out like because we don't feel comfortable let's figure out how to get out of this i love that because yeah very quickly the cdt said hey you're gonna have to pick up these skills and start looking outside of stuff to for safety for enjoyment like all those factors and you went went along for the ride you lit the trail instead of stubbornly bashing your head against a literal cliff wall you're just like yeah i'm gonna go with the trail <laughs> totally yeah that's really uh that was one of my favorite aspects of the whole trail so you got you got through colorado and then you got up into wyoming and mm-hmm. a lot of people love talking about the basin in wyoming i'm curious to hear your take on it because when we were talking a little bit before the show it sounds like you're from the east coast you've always hiked in a whole lot of foliage what was your take on the basin yeah so I was thinking it was going to be similar to the boot heel, like down in the Chihuahuan Desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, but the thunderstorms were so wild. I, I The basin was beautiful in its own right, but it was hard looking like 20 miles ahead and like seeing the trail that you were going to be on and just grinding out the days. But I thought the hardest part was the thunderstorms, just huddling next to like a sage bush and just like hoping that it's taller than you. <laughs> or a cow. <laughs> It's going to get struck instead of you. I was hiking with this Swiss girl who was a little bit shorter than I. And, like, when we were walking and the thunderstorms would start, I would, like, hunch over and try to get to the same height as her. So we could, <laughs> I wouldn't get struck more. It's like the quote, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be the faster than the person you're with. Exactly. <laughs> how'd, she feel, how'd she feel about that? Um, I tried to be a little bit behind her so she couldn't really see, you know. The techniques you pick up out there, man, you you learned very quickly. That that was a great technique. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so the thunderstorms were definitely the spookiest part of uh, the basin in Colorado, I'd say. Looking back on the basin, 
because I I have you in a special relationship with the bass. I mean, I loved it. In the moment, I was going literally crazy. But like looking back on it, man, it was it was beautiful. Do you look back on it and say it was a highlight of the trail, or is like the I guess more popular opinion people look back on it and be like, we just cranked miles through, didn't really enjoy it. What do you looking back on it? What do you think of it? I think we definitely really enjoyed it, but it was definitely a highlight in the sense that it was like my lowest point on the trail. Okay. And it was like the the point where I thought maybe I wanted to go home. I was like, I'm going to get the lander and I'm going to fly home. And I just like was feeling so sick in there. And it was so nice to overcome that and like just keep going, you know? Um, We did like a 38 mile day in between like water sources and I just, it was so hot and it's no shade. I just, like, couldn't eat any food. I ate, like, three bars and, yeah, and drank, like, was throwing up all my food and my bars and just wasn't feeling good. And I was like, ugh, I'm going to die. <laughs> and uh, it was super low. And now it's, like, the type two fun. Like, after the fact, you look back on it. And I think it was, like, a highlight in the sense of how low it was. <laughs> I love that, man. I completely agree with that And. I mean, it's, that's a brutal place to have a low of a trail, too, because there's no distractions. You're just stuck in your head for the entirety of the day. Oh, yeah. Wow. So you said food. You said kind of the water situation. What else kind of was bringing up that low light? Because at that point, you were, I don't know for sure, 1,300, 1,400, maybe higher into the trail. But yeah. what what brought about that low point? And you said you were thinking about going home. You're over halfway done. There's probably been more kind of circumstances along your hike already that brought you to these lows that you pushed through. So what brought you to that extreme one out there? I think it might have been, like, the fact of feeling so, like, helpless in the the physical condition I was in where I was not being able to hold down any water or anything. And looking at maps, seeing where I could get help and knowing that it was, like, 60 miles away or something, you know? Yeah. And I think that was just, like, a lot, and I was just a little overwhelmed. But that I told the person I was hiking with, Peppermint, and she was like, you know, like, let's, let's talk about it tomorrow. And when tomorrow came, I felt a lot better, and I those, like, feelings definitely subsided. But I think it was the remoteness and just, like, current situation. It wasn't anything, like, building up, and I was, like, getting unhappy being on trail. It was just the current situation, I think, fine, I think. Yeah, man, I have so many questions about this. This is the type of thought line that really interests me. So I apologize if I have too many questions about this subject. But how how did your partner respond? Um, You said you were hiking with a hiking partner at that point. So how did she respond to hearing you talk about having this low point, talk about possibly wanting to quit? How, how, How did your interactions go at that point? Well, Peppermint, she she's awesome, first off, but she was just like super supportive you know like uh i've always been told that i i I expressed these things while i was talking to her um we like we didn't hike necessarily together all day we'd kind of eat lunch and camp together but we didn't really spend too much time walking together but we did after uh after like i wasn't feeling good and i expressed like i know you don't want to quit on like a, a bad day but really thinking about this she's like oh no like don't i'm sure like this you'll feel better tomorrow like here do you need anything like just very like supportive and kind and considerate um so that was definitely a very nice environment to be in while i was feeling that and knowing that like this person cares about me yeah 
And, and knowing you can breathe your thoughts. I mean, that support line, again, based in brutal spot to have this moment, but that's that support line of just knowing another person's there and being able to be in that trail family. or It's an amazing thing to have. And yeah, that's why I was curious how, how she responded with that. So as you got through the basin, I think you said the first, I think the first town is Landers. How did you get out of that low point? So you were in it in the basin. I'm assuming it kind of ebbed and flowed while you were hiking, but your first trail town stop to kind of recharge. How did you get out of the low point feeling? Um, yeah. Well, so that was like the second day out from Rollins and then okay. third day didn't feel like amazing, but felt a lot better. We called it early at like five. And then the next day we walked into Atlantic city and that day I was feeling like a hundred percent better getting into Atlantic city after like having that low point, just shoved my face with like a stuffed burger or something <laughs> at, um, with that. Uh, it's the little bar. Thing. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The place where Wild Bill owns everything. And everybody's open carrying. Oh yeah. I went into the gun shop and was holding like a $1,200 pistol with red dot <laughs> sight on it that shot shotgun shells. And I've never even shot a gun in my life. I'm like, what is going on here? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, so kind of the trail just worked out. Like you guys made conscious decisions to maybe call a day early um, but then you just walk, it sounds like you just walked through the feeling. You just well, kept going and you were comfortable in the sense of if I continue, it'll go away. Is that, is that kind of what happened? Yeah, definitely. And the sense that you really can't just stop, you know, yeah. you kind, of, <laughs> kind of like have to keep going. Cause you only have the, the, the finite amount of food that you have as well as like the next water source is, uh, certain amount of distance you don't have like the luxury of like oh i'm just gonna chill by this creek and wait until i feel better it's like no like you need to make moves or else you're gonna have a 30 mile section to the next water or something like that you know i love that you pointed that out because it always makes me smile when i'm hiking with magpie too and she's just like having a brutal day and she's just like i quit i'm like we're in the middle of nowhere like it logistically you can't like i get i get you have that feeling but like there's nothing around us unless you want a thousand dollar helicopter ride that would still probably take a day it's not an option or get like 15 people to come carry your butt out of there and feel terrible the whole time you know yeah i mean so i I like that you pointed that out because it just always makes me smile i'm like i understand like everybody has these hard points but to have the recognition of well I also have to be focused on my safety and continuing forward because I have limited supplies. That's a big, big step there. Totally. I think that's also one of the cool things about the CDT specifically is like you put yourself in situations constantly throughout the whole trail that are like that. You're like, I have to keep going or else I won't have enough food to get to the next town or like enough water or anything like that. Cause it's like logistically sparse, but it's not undoable, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you get through this low point on the basin, and then you got what I'm going to think is a high point ahead of you. So you were going into the Cirques as well as the Wind River Range. How how was that section for you? That was really cool because the morning got into Atlantic City. The 63-year-old guy, Roman, I'd previously been hiking with for like a 1,000 miles, he uh, he got into Atlantic City right after us. 
to I hadn't seen him in like a couple weeks so it was really great to see him we were like yeah let's go into the Wind Rivers together so we went to Atlantic City and then we went to Lander and then um met another guy I hiked with like I met in I met in the Gila River uh part of that big group that I was with in the San Juans met him so we had like a squad of fours peppermint roman and stuck and i and we were going through the winds together but on the second day the 63 year old dude he broke his foot right before the circle um and he had to hike like eight miles on a broken foot out so it was amazing but it was also like very saddening too because like this guy who's crushing doing so well so nice so fun so happy to be on the trail um and he was off of it because of this injury that he sustained while going over blow uh blowdowns that was like a big bummer on top of this like beautiful sunday so instead of like a cherry on top it was like a maybe like a dollop of ketchup wow again this is my own curiosity speaking knock on wood i've never been in the situation that somebody broke a bone that would take him off the trail were you with him when this happened and how, how did you respond i wasn't so we were a group of four going through the winds and i and this other guy stuck were ahead um doing our own navigation um through this like section of blowdowns and where the trail was a little harder to follow and peppermint and roman were together behind and i think roman was kind of leading the navigation and they ended up getting turned around Mm -hmm. so stuck and i like waited on the side of the trail for like an hour or so when we just had like seen them behind us like 10 minutes prior and we waited there things weren't feeling right so we sent the inreach message and roman responded with uh that he broke his foot after getting turned around so i wasn't right with him but uh peppermint was and we didn't run into her for two days after that and we finally did she like told us what happened and all that stuff wow so was this your first major loss of a trail family member along this hike yeah definitely how how did you process that because like you said it sounds like you had been hiking on and off with that guy for a thousand miles um at that point they really do become part of your family so how did you process that moving forward i it's hard because it's your own endeavor that you're meeting all these people on so it's a little selfish in that sense but it was definitely like a a big bummer because i knew how much he wanted to be out there and i was like maybe if we did this i like thought if me i like tried to put the blame onto myself and then talking about it with the other people i was like it's not anyone's fault like accidents happen you know so you gotta deal with the actuality of the situation and move forward and be supportive for them. You know, you can't just dwell on it for the rest of the trail. Yeah. And the, and the trail's a wonderful conduit for hard emotions. And like that, that sense of loss is like, like you said, you're on your personal journey and you're having the privilege and beauty of sharing it with others, but you can't control circumstances out there. So you got to deal with the internal loss, but you have to get through it. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's hard, but, you know, it's you, you still have that relationship with that person outside the trail. I love that. Yeah, you still have that connection. It doesn't end just because a foot got broken or circumstances arose. So, yeah, I, lo- I love that you have that, that thought. You, you were in Wyoming. You got through the winds, lost a trail family member, and you're getting into, I think Magpie calls it Montana Ho. She combined the words somehow. I don't know how she combined them, but 
you have Idaho and Montana ahead of you. Last two states. I remember at that point it felt like the home stretch for me. So how were you feeling once you got close to there? I thought it was it was really cool. It was also um, I had a friend that lived in Jackson. So right out of the winds, we went and stayed with her, and that was like just like really idyllic. It was just really nice to like hang out with like such a familiar soul before we went into montana and especially like the southern montana areas where i spent two winters teaching skiing mm-hmm. so i was familiar with it but only in the cold seasons so i was like this homecoming but like in a perspective i've never yet seen being the warm season okay so it was it was really cool because i was like oh i've seen this but it was covered in snow and like all this stuff and i was just very excited in that area but also a little nervous because that's the more grizzly more uh that's the environment where there's more things that want to hurt you or not hurt you but that could cause (laughs) more pain to your hike as in like river fordings and wildlife I mean, yeah, grizzlies, uh, you don't want to run up on them just randomly. I mean, they're not looking to hurt you per se, but you just don't want to pop up and a mama grizzly's hanging out there. So, yeah, there's definitely more factors out in that terrain that can start uh, weighing on the conscious a little bit. So I was also really, really wanting to dive into this part here with you is the Big Sky alternate. Because I love that when we were chatting before this, you pushed back about the reasoning for the big sky to my previous rambles and something else I rambled about. But yeah, I want to I want to dive into the big sky all because I'm not even fully familiar with where it starts and where it ends. So let's just start there and then we'll get more into it. Yeah, totally. Well, so like the CBT, it's very open for interpretation. So you can go on to like Google and go to like CBT big sky super butte cutoff and then find like a gpx file on reddit and download that and just follow that and there's like tons of different route options in that file that you can get the atlantic and pacific river at the the crossing or the dividing of the waters okay i don't know if you remember that there's this area where there the this river separates and one of the streams of the river goes in the atlantic and one goes into the pacific and it's this cool thing on jonathan lay's maps he all he has is, he says, like, dividing of the waters, woo, or something like that. <laughs> I don't even remember this river. Do you know what the river was named? I forget what the river that splits is named, but is it it's... Idaho or Montana? This is in Wyoming before oh. you enter Yellowstone. The Sun River? No. I, I'm, not was... gonna, I'm not going to remember yeah. it. <laughs> I don't remember what it was either, but um, so that's where you we split for the Big Sky Alt, and then we walked um, to the Thoroughfare River in the Thoroughfare region, which is like the most remote, one of the most remote areas in the lower 48 or something like that, which was cool to be in. Nice. Um, but we had to cross this gnarly river called the Thoroughfare River, and that was spooky. And uh, so, yeah, right at that spot, we cr- went to Yellowstone and then we walked along Yellowstone Lake for 20 something miles and then we kind of walked north into the north Yellowstone area like Mammoth Hot Springs or something like that Mm -hmm. and then we kind of traversed to the Gallatin Canyon um, in Montana from 
that area in Wyoming. And it was super beautiful. Saw so many bison. Got to spend four nights in Yellowstone instead of the two nights that you would normally do on the red line. But I, yeah, it was beautiful and cool. But I definitely feel I wish I did the red line, you know, at the same time. Well, there's just, I mean, you've already, just in what you described, changed my perception of it a little bit. Because in my head, what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've thought about the Big Sky Alt is I just picture a long dirt road walk, which I love dirt road walks, but like I just picture a 400, 500 mile two track walk. But it already sounds like you were able to go through canyons, get across rivers. Like it already sounds you're still in the wilderness a lot of the time. Oh, yeah, it was really cool. You were in, like, some areas in Yellowstone that, like, I don't think many people go to. It was very beautiful in that sense. And then you get to Big Sky, and, like, getting to Big Sky was so great because uh, my friend Sammy, I, like, texted her on the walk-in. I was like, hey, like, going to be in Big Sky. And she's like, do you need anything? Shower, laundry, place to stay? And I was like, I'm going to Bozeman tonight, but, like, a shower and laundry would be great. And she's like, sure, like, go to the gas station. I'll pick you up. Oh, and uh get to the gas station like hadn't seen her in a while she picks us up and she's dating this guy who owns like the most successful restaurant in that town and it's like a big fancy ski town so we get to her house and it's just beautiful and she's like all right here's the shower the shower had five heads that <laughs> blasted water at us it was it was so crazy it felt like a human car wash <laughs> did it pressure wash all the dirt off probably still couldn't get all of it yeah, not the grime. Can't get the grime. <laughs> the grime stays for a while. Who's to say yeah. whether it stays forever or not? But it stays for a long time. Yeah, and your clothing that you wear on the through hike never Ugh. never gets rid of the grime. Oh man, Magpie won't let me wear this one thermal anymore, which I absolutely love. I've had it for like five years. She's like, even after we wash it like ten times, it still smells so bad. I'm like, I love it though. Like I gotta wear it. <laughs> it's the hardest thing when you have that like intimate relationship with a piece of gear but it's so stinky oh and it's so holy too like my armpits are just hanging out i got little dime size holes everywhere but i mean i don't need the kind of what's it i don't need the utility of the product i need my emotional attachment to the product that's how i choose gear totally but i think there's something to be said about like feeling good and the gear that you're wearing makes you perform better yeah, I love that. Yeah, I would actually fully agree with that. I mean, if you have a piece of gear that you're wearing, I usually don't do a lot of gear talk on this show, but I like that the emotion is tied into this. If you do, if you love a piece of gear, gear that you're wearing, it does pump up your, I don't know if adrenaline is the right word, but it gives you energy. Like, you're just happy, you're happy more often. Absolutely, yeah, totally. And then, like, when you put that piece of gear on, you're like, oh, yeah, back at home. <laughs> I mean, I put that thermal on, and... It has been like 20 degrees out and it's not really the utility of a thermal anymore because it's so holy, but I still feel warm inside. I still feel warm and fuzzy even if my outside of my body is just freezing cold. Well, you know, they say cold's a mindset, so yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> so let's see, <laughs> off of the gear emotion talk, let's, let's pivot back towards the big sky because I'm still trying to get a good context for it. What In, a, in the form of the context... What would be the closest resupply points on the official route where you get off and then rejoin the regular CDT? Yeah, so the way we worked it, we left Jackson, got a ride back to like near Brooks Lake Lodge or whatever that 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 highway crossing is that you would normally go to Dubois. Yeah. Or 
yeah, Du Bois. So we went to Jackson instead of Du Bois. So from Jackson, we went to Canyon Village in uh, in Yellowstone Park itself, which is like a little uh, general supply store that you can get, like a restaurant. So we resupplied in the National Park, which was definitely pretty expensive. And I think I only ate peanut butter cookies and brownies from there because it was so expensive. So that was there. And then from there, we went and resupplied in Big Sky. But Big Sky has a shuttle service. I think it's like $5 and you can go to Bozeman. Mm -hmm. So you can easily take the public transportation to Bozeman and there's an awesome hostel and like great grocery stores. We went to the rodeo. It was very fun. Nice. Um, so that was like really a good place to resupply. And then from Bozeman, you walk past Ennis Lake and you could hitch into Ennis, which is like a fly fishing town in the Madison Valley. We forego that and we went straight past Ennis uh, through the Tobacco Root Mountains to this small little town called Whitehall. Mm-hmm. And in Whitehall, there's the mayor of the town. I think her name's Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, you can call her up and she lets you stay in the town hall for free. And there's showers and laundry there. Nice. And like a bunch of awesome stuff. There's nice restaurants and uh, like a Dollar General and a grocery store. So tons of resupply options. And then from there, you go on like two by two tracks or uh, side by side tracks to like north of butte and you could hitch into butte and get stuff or you could just keep walking to helena okay that's that's kind of where i thought it rejoined back in around the butte area yeah i want to touch on the mayor thing you said but i think we're going to circle back to that but so you did the big sky alternate you said you had feelings that you wanted to do the red line but it sounds like an awesome adventure from what I'm hearing right here. So what were those feelings of wanting to do the red line with the CDT, always choose your own adventure, or pick your own alt? What were those feelings bringing you back to saying you wanted to do the red line? Um, I think the fact of how many miles it cuts you, it cuts out. Okay. I think in that sense, because that's time off the trail. So it was kind of like hitting the fast forward button for like a little bit. Yeah, it was it was really great, but I think like the whole CDT is just like a bucket list of trails. You know, there's so many different alternates you could take, like the Black Range. Like, I would love to be able to do that, but that 200 mile resupply carry is pretty wild. You know, yeah. Um, so I think in the sense of, I want to do it, and I met people that had already done it, and I was like, kind of had that FOMO of. Uh, oh i should have done that i wish i was there too but i was also very content and happy with my choices i mean you put it perfectly like i love the saying that you said it's a bucket list of trails that really is the cdt quarter you have so many options i feel the same way i'm always drawn back to it because you literally could start border to border but just go a completely different route for the majority of it and just have a completely different experience and journey so i love yeah bucket list of trails i mean that's the way to go. Absolutely. There's so many like little things. I don't I don't know if you used Lay's maps at all on your your trek, but no. there's so many little like alternates that he has represented on his maps that just look so cool. One specifically that I like fell in love with, but I don't really know anything about it is out of Rollins. He has this route that goes over these mountains called the Ferris Mountains, okay. and they're like these beautiful mountains with these huge limestone cliffs on them and 
there's like no information on this route there's no water sources represented like kind of seems super contrived but like it looks so beautiful and you go through i think two wilderness study areas and it, oh, i don't know it just looks really cool <laughs> did you run into any situations on the big sky route because it sounded like you pulled a gpx file and you said there's like many ways to go did you run into any situations that you're looking at the gpx file and it's like somebody just threw their GPS off this cliff. Like, that's not the way to go. Were there any situations that arose like that? Um, no. I Because I downloaded the GPX file, like, studied it, and then I kind of went and made my own route. But on that GPX file, there's a couple different alternates that there's, like, little notes in the maps. And one of them's, like, scary bushwhack over out of beehive basin like this was really terrible and if you had a lot of weight in your pack i would not recommend doing it like all like there's like all these little notes in the gpx file that <laughs> like kind of helps you figure out the things that you don't want to do man I, I love your mentality for this man being uh, being the first trail well i'm a stubborn person it took me a long time to get to the mentality that you already had going into the first trail like i don't know if it's the cdt who you are or just what you found along the way, but dude, kudos, man. Kudos for the mentality out there. Thank you. Yeah, man. So you got through the Super Butte. I don't know how many miles left were at that point, 300 or so. The, yeah. en the end was nearing. How were you feeling? This was your first through hike. You're getting closer. What kind of emotions were going through you at that point? Definitely. That's a really hard question as well, but um, I saw a lot of southbounders and that was pretty wild in the sense that these folks are, I think like their representation of your question is like, these folks are starting their adventure and I'm finishing mine. Mm -hmm. So I was a little bummed, I think. And I thought that I was going to be sad when I finished because like the sense of belonging out on the trail and just like the fun, simple lifestyle you get to live out there. It's just, it's, infectious like i yeah. i definitely was so hungry for more after um but it it's it's a weird thing because you do also want to get back to your normal life and <laughs> you're getting closer and the days are getting shorter only a week left only four days left only a day left you know and the closer it gets the realer it feels that you're done um i don't know i i don't think i really answered your question very well but uh i the closer I got, the more worried I was getting about what was going to happen at the end. I wasn't sure if I was going to be really sad or really, really, like, ecstatic of this giant completion of this long trail, you know? Yeah, it, I get it. I'm, I'm the same way. It's, it's a, Yeah, it's a hard question to answer. And there's a saying out there that, uh, I'm going to butcher this saying, but the end is not the goal, but the journey is. But if you look at it, you have to have an endpoint to things. Like without an endpoint and context, an endless journey would be exhausting. <laughs> an endless journey doesn't let you enjoy those moments that you know are fleeting, that you know are finite. So like the endpoint may fluctuate when you finish something, but knowing there's an endpoint lets you enjoy kind of the fragility of that time period in your life or that time period on the trail. So I get it, man. I mean, those emotions are turbulent for sure. Absolutely. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. The journey is the most important part. Yeah. So you got there. You hit the end point. You're standing at the terminus. I, I've i been talking about a lot about the emotionality. I want to talk a little bit about, I want to talk about the emotionality as well, but 
I also want to talk about the physicality. How were you feeling physically? Was your body fighting back for being out there for 117 17 days? And then what were you looking at next? Um, were you just, you said you were kind of ready to be done, not ready to be done. Were you excited? Yeah, walk me through the emotionality and physicality of finishing. Yeah, physically I felt great. Like uh, from East Glacier to get the permits, we hitched into to medicine got our permits and then hiked back to east glacier but i actually just like ran the whole way back i was so <laughs> stoked and like the light pack felt so nice i was like ecstatic so i was physically feeling like awesome and great and on top of the world um emotionally i was like definitely closed off i think i like stopped reaching out to any like of my family and like people close to me i kind of just like took the time for myself and was trying to like process it in my own way. I think, yeah, emotionally it was hard. I still am like kind of dealing with the aftermath of it emotionally, I think. Oh yeah. Were, were you, I want to talk about that in a second. Were you hiking with the trail family at this point? So were you, did you finish with a group of people that you could all share in that collective emotions, even though you were all individually processing something? Oh, uh, I didn't finish. Oh yeah. I, I hiked with, the Swiss girl Peppermint. I hiked with her from Salida to the end. Okay. So I was with her, and um, yeah, she was the only person. But we went to this hostel that I think actually before I finished, there was a bunch of people that had just finished that I'd like hiked with that were like in the East Glacier area. Yeah. Um. So like seeing around them, they were like congratulations, all this stuff. It was good to process how they were feeling after they completed and like the feelings that I had like building up um like to the completion that I think was the best processing of the emotions I was feeling is with like that bigger group of people that like some had finished some were about to finish some were flipping south you know so it was just like a more variety of experiences rather than just like if I finished by myself at the end I feel like it might have been harder to process yeah so how because this was the first long trail first through hike how accelerated was the process because I, I just be curious because I don't think I, I talk about this a lot or hear this a lot is like you you were at the monument you got to ride back into town how accelerated was the process because you're going to still be processing the feelings but how accelerated was the process to make decisions to get back into quote unquote real life? Like, was that night you were making flights, making arrangements, or did you let it be a day? Walk me through the like process of getting off physically. Oh, Fit totally. Finishing. So, uh, finish at the monument, get my picture, of course, and get a ride back to the hostel and East Glacier. I have a friend, Tom, who. I used to hang out with a lot in Montana, and he lives up in Whitefish. So he drove to East Glacier and picked me up and brought me to his place. So I was staying in Whitefish for a couple days, just, like, thinking about things. We went mountain biking a little bit. It was super fun. And a day or two with chilling with Tom, I had to, like, get my flight back to home. So I call my parents and people around that could like pick me up and figure that stuff out. And then I fly back home and go up to my apartment and it was like 
instantly back to normal life. I didn't have a car either because my sister had been borrowing my car for the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I get like dropped off at my place in Concord and I don't have a car and I have to walk everywhere. And I'm like, I just walked for <laughs> four, four months. Like I'm going to walk everywhere else. So it was, it was, I think slow processing, um, what had happened. I kind of, kept trying to do things to avoid thinking about it i would go on like long runs and uh just do everything i could to like avoid thinking about the completing this awesome thing i yeah Yeah. i just sorry that's terrible answer but there's no terrible answers man it's just how each person feels that's why i love this but i mean that makes sense perfectly to me because myself I, i don't make sense so yeah it makes perfect sense man there's no wrong answers but I'd be curious if you had this feeling. So you had that interim time, getting off the trail, going to Whitefish. Did it feel like an extension of the journey, even though like you knew it was done? Because I felt that way sometimes because you're not fully home yet. You're not fully settled. It just feels like an extension, even though you know the through hike's done. Did it feel that way for you? Yeah, I think so. Like kind of an extension of like trying to keep that high going, maybe. Yeah. Um, because I know when I got home, I was, like, got this physical shape. And, like, before I got home, like, before I finished, I was, like, planning I'm going to do this, this, this. Like, all these things to, like, kind of stay in the same headspace and physical space that I had previously been in and loved so much. So I think it it was, like, I was trying to keep it riding the same wave. But... Uh, you have to hop on a different wave after you finish. Yeah, and like rationally, again, for me, I know I'm I'm done, I've finished, but it's about that month time window. Like emotionally, I don't feel the closure of that journey until about a month in. It can fluctuate on either side, but it's weird. It's a weird contradiction there. So you've been off trail for about a month. What are those feelings like leading up to now has have you found that closure of like okay that was a journey that was my through hike planning more getting back into the groove of things but yeah kind of walk me through that yeah totally i think the beginning of that process was being cognizant of the verbiage i was using because one of my friends like he told me he's like when you talk about your adventure like it still sounds like you're on it yeah and so I, I just spent some time to like think about the things I was saying and kind of uh, reevaluating my own perspective on it and coming to peace <laughs> that it was over. So <laughs> I think a month in right now, I definitely know it's over. I'm not hiking anymore, but um, I'm you know excited for the next thing. I definitely, it, I think it probably took a solid two two weeks to like fully get out of that headspace that I'm, I'm through hiking right now. Yeah. I'm going to eat pop tarts every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's one of yeah. the reasons I hike. So I just can eat like trash. <laughs> I'm also curious too, because you said you were having chats with friends, family. Did you feel a connection and disconnection there? Because you've just been on this amazing journey, amazing through hike, spent months out there. Like, the life was completely different and at least in my opinion they they can understand partly but it's never you can fully translate what that is what kind of connection and disconnection with friends and family have you found 
I definitely, I fully agree with that. It's really hard to connect on that, like, 100% level with them. But um, I, I find it hard to phrase things in ways that people that don't spend a lot of time in the outdoors can, like, fully comprehend, you know? It's, yeah. like, explaining something that's, like, super terrible, like, oh, I ran into a bear and, you know, I didn't get attacked and it was really cool and stuff like some people don't want to hear that that's not going to be like they're not going to be like excited on that so finding like the ways to express the whole grand adventure to people that don't spend that much time i found that kind of hard and i've kind of not wanted to do that i've i've tried to like explain it to my parents and close people but i i definitely there's not that 100 percent connection like i i don't i haven't figured out the way to best express like through hiking or going on such a long thing because it's so outlandish to so many people and to myself like it it makes a lot of sense and it's kind of like very simple and easy not easy in like the physicality and the mental part but it's easy in like the your routine you wake up what are you looking for today just water and a place to camp like that's it you know yeah it's it's so hard to convey it i mean the best and at a certain point, like, sometimes it feels like you're spark-noting these things to people because you don't want to overburden them and you don't want to overstress them with too much information. And I think it takes somebody wanting to understand to understand. So, like, the best example I've had is way back with my first hike, I got off the trail and I was just walking a bike path with a buddy to catch up. And I was telling him, I'm like, yeah, I hiked X amount of miles and he's like, oh, okay, so kind of like this. And we were walking a paved bike path. And his picture of it was, every day I was out there, beautiful weather, trail was paved. And the realities were just so different that I'm like, well, that's not what it is. And I tried to explain, and there was still that disconnect, but I was okay with it because the realities were so different that he understood I was out on a journey, and that's kind of all mm-hmm. that needed to be communicated so if he wanted to understand more always have the option to but yeah sometimes it's hard man sometimes i just spark note it because you can tell when somebody wants the deeper level and the deeper understanding of it and sometimes you can tell when person people are just like everybody's living their life and they're moving through their life too so i i dude i understand it man i have so many conflicted feelings about that <laughs> yeah there's definitely that difference of like the the interested questions compared to like the questions that are just like oh like kind of just like trying to accentuate the fact that you were like really out there you know and don't don't let it get get you jaded man um don't don't let it turn turn that part off because (laughs) the more friends and family you talk to the more there are wonder there are people that are like yeah i want to hear in depth about it but then there are other people that want to hear a five minute spark noted version which is also perfectly okay so don't let it don't let it get you down no, totally. Um, it was pretty. I um, finished my through hike, and I used to work for the Huts on Appalachian Mountain Club, yeah. um, in Hampshire. And so I was volunteering a couple days a week at the Huts while I uh, like just had gotten back. It was so fun to see like people hiking the AT oh, like man. after finishing a trail. Yeah, yes, yeah. so that would be awesome. Just stay connected with other through hikers. Yeah, it was so great. Oh, because the AT, like, I feel like all three hikers are very similar, but the AT, I feel like the people hiking it are so much different than the CDT, so it was really fun to, like, pick people's brains and stuff. 
And A tier smell worse. Like, there's a physical difference, too. That's For that... sure. The humidity. It has to be the humidity. Dude, it's like you're just, like, in a pool of sweat all day. Uh, people listening, not bad mouth in the AT. It's just, it's very humid on the East Coast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, you, you dry instantly. You can put a wet towel in a corner in out west, and it's going to dry in 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> the Appalachian Mountains, like, no way. That's going to be wet for a year. I'm curious, so, like, you've had so much experience in the White Mountains on the East Coast, and now you've just had this giant experience on the West Coast. Are you looking at the AT as a potential? Is that something that's on your list, or...? I think the AT, I think I'd love to do it. I've always wanted to do it southbound, and okay. I think that the AT and PCT in the same year is just, like, kind of a beautiful combination that weather windows just work out perfectly for. Yeah. Because um, you do the PCT northbound to the AT southbound, it's just, like, like, mwah, like chef's kiss. That's just, like, <laughs> a perfect weather window. Man, you're hitting a heartstring for me. I wish I would have done that a few years ago. I mean, I call it the calendar year double. It is just perfect. Like, perfect weather windows trails of perfect sizes yeah that calendar year double is just great totally i think the at though uh, definitely has some appeal but there's so many other things that are out there besides like the big three that looks so cool man you opened a door you can't shut <laughs> i know like I've, for uh, you i think on your podcast you had mac like the yeah which is halfway his, anywhere yeah halfway anywhere he has this like route that he published when he was living in japan like a coast-to-coast walk in japan that just looks so cool and i've like found it in college and i've just wanted to do that so bad it is it is infinite man every year like for the first few years i'm like okay i'm doing this i'm knocking trails off my list and then once you stop looking at it as just trails and looking at it as routes and then we're looking at it as like i can create a route Dude, yeah. it is absolutely endless, which is a beautiful thing, but also scary. Yeah, totally. But I'm, it's so impressive that you've done all 11 National Scenic Trails at like such a young age. Oh, man, thank you. It's uh, <laughs> I revolve my life around it, and you're going to come to find it. sounds like you're wanting to do this every year as well. You're going to come to find it's it's a beautiful life to live, but you got to grind it out to make it work, and it it's like any life it comes with its benefits and it comes with its costs and it's just about like we were talking about before the show trying to find that balance and i think i'm getting old enough now that the balance is definitely a value totally yeah it's you gotta treat the people that mean the most to you the best way you know yeah yeah so you mentioned the 11 national scene trails own curiosity does the nct have any desire for you yeah, I think so a lot. Like, the CDT was awesome because not that many people are on it, you know? And I think yeah. the NCT has that factor, too, in, like, specific areas. I'm sure there's, like, areas that are very well-trafficked because it's just the connection of so many, like, awesome trails. But I definitely, the NCT seems really cool. That's a bit more of a time commitment, but yeah. I you- think that would be cool. I think all of them look really cool. Um, besides the Potomac Heritage and the <laughs> Tough Race Trail, but uh, yeah, I mean everything like you like you mentioned earlier with the basin and finding that strength in that low point. Everything has a good point if you just look at it a certain way. So like the Natchez Trace might not be 
I don't know, physically spectacular, but it lets you find different levels within yourself to get through those monotonous times or get through those harder times. So just like you said, I mean, you can find beauty in anything. It's just that skew of the thought line to find it. Absolutely. Totally. That change of perspective. Yeah, man. So I wanted to circle back to the mayor because I love that you talked. I'm sorry. Um, or do you have 10 more minutes? It might go a little, little oh, bit. Oh, no, over. I have plenty of time. But yeah, the mayor, Mary. Yes. Yeah, so the mayor brought me to a question that I wanted to get into because I love having you on as a guest because this was your first giant through hike and you've lived a life in the outdoors, but this was like the first big introduction into the through hiking world. So the mayor, this was a community, small town. Did you think going into this type of adventure that you would find this type of community out on the trail? Yeah, like that weird niche network of people that want to help these long distance walkers on their journey. Yeah, I didn't think I would meet like the, as many amazing individuals as I did. Uh, I thought there'd be maybe a, a couple, but there's there's so many. It was like overwhelming the amount of support um, out there. And I, I knew the Appalachian Trail had that kind of stuff, and I knew Pacific Crest did. I didn't really think the CDT did as much as those two, but there was so much out there, and it was so heartwarming and like it, it, it was so beautiful to see people take time out of their life to like help you yeah it, it's truly amazing i mean a mayor of a town who is just probably swamped with managed said town but willing to take that extra step and help out a hiker or somebody that they know is going after this massive goal it's it's amazing it's so cool she even left her bike at the town hall for us to ride to the grocery store that's so cool. And yeah, it's such a kind person. I'm even curious, is Whitehall, it, it, was it Whitehall that you said the town? Yeah, Whitehall. Is Whitehall a CDT town? Because I don't remember going into that town, or is it like the town past the CDT town? Um, It's to the east of Butte. Okay. It's only, if you, it's a, a town that if you did the Big Sky or the Butte cutoff, um, you would probably go through it. See, the reason I ask that is because it amazes me even more when the towns that don't expect hikers have such hospitality. Like a town like, I don't know, Big Bear on the PCT that has mm -hmm. thousands of hikers coming through every year. They kind of build their infrastructure and cater to, to a certain demographic. But the towns that just see a random person walking in with a backpack and then still have that type of love and hospitality is, is absolutely amazing to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because it, it, it is just an alternate, you know. It's, yeah. it's like, not the red line, so it's not going to get the most traffic. It's so cool that even with the little bit of traffic they get, they want to support the people coming through. Absolutely beautiful. Is that is that one of the things drawing you back to the trail as well? I love the sense of community in the outdoors. I definitely, personally, like, have found that's where I feel the most sense of belonging when I'm like in the outdoor environment, regardless if I'm with people or like by myself on like a run or a hike or something like that's where I find myself the most. So like living out there, I, it just felt so right to me. Um, it felt so good to like have that, but at the same time, like if you only have that forever, then it's, hard to strive for more you know yeah so it's nice to have the contrast of like you know the grinding your other months of the year to have the money to to 
facilitate the adventure. You know, it's nice to have that perspective to know what you really, really want and what really means the most to you. Yeah, and again, I'm going to butcher the quote. It's kind of like, don't know the philosopher that said this, but you can't have joy without experience suffering because you have to be able to have that mindset to know what one or the other is based off of a previous thing. And yeah, being able to have that balance is what makes it truly special. I think uh, I think it's like the philosopher is 50 Cent and the quote is, <laughs> sunny dates wouldn't be special if it wasn't for rain. <laughs> The true philosopher of our generation. <laughs> Fifty. Fifty. Oh man, I, I love your love your mindset, man. Just again, so much kudos on that. I could be asking you questions forever, man, but I'm gonna ask you two last, eh, maybe three, two last questions as we try to wrap up this show, dude. Again, just awesome mindset for the first trail. So this might not have changed for you. This might have. Who were you before you started this through hike, and who are you now? Wow. Hit me with the deep ones. The deep ones? Uh, deep ones begin and end the show, my man. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I like it. Who I was before was Eric Kipperman, the avid outdoors person and uh, accountant. And who I am now is, I don't know what the next level up above avid is, but I'm that <laughs> outdoors person. I, I don't feel like this profound change, uh, this new cloak over me and change, but I definitely... There's, a, uh, I think, a new confidence in my comfort in the outdoors, for sure. After spending so much time on day hikes and runs and stuff, it's I definitely find spending time in nature alone at night, anytime, like, much more comfortable. Um, definitely more confidence with myself, for sure, just after completing something. So I'd say uh, more confident, more confident, more well-rounded outdoors person i'd say has what is what i have become love it and a step up from avid could be consumed or obsessed could become (laughs) consumed with these journeys yeah definitely an obsession doesn't have to be a bad thing it probably has bad things associated but yeah (laughs) either one when obsession becomes addiction then it's not good yes so kind of a parallel to that question is what does quote unquote the trail mean to you the trail i think the trail can mean any dirt paved single track double track made for recreating or that has like been an animal path that now people recreate on anything that is for people to recreate and hopefully see some of their surrounding nature i think is the trail okay you went for the physical definition. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, technically, you could define anything as a trail. I, lo- I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Very last question. I promise you this one. What would you rate the CDT on a ramen rating review? If you want me to go through it, I can go through it for you, or do you already know? I, I know shrimp's the bottom, right? Shrimp's the bottom. So we got the five-star tier. We have shrimp at number one, pork at number two, Roast chicken at, oh, nope. What was number three? Pork was number three. Beef was number two. Roast chicken four. Creamy chicken number five. And you might have different opinions, but if you had to give it a ramen rating review, what would the CDT be? I think the CDT would definitely be a creamy chicken. Oh, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it is not once did I ever 
I never felt disappointed by the trail. It was everything and anything I could have anticipated. And it could have been more than I anticipated, and it could have been less. But it was up to me to make it what it was. And it was, oh, yeah, I love that trail so much. And you can take so many different routes, and you can never hike the same trail again if you wanted to. It sounds like you made it a wonderful journey, which, last side note, did you eat a creamy chicken on the trail, or is the rating system for you different? Well, I only had one creamy chicken, and it was in East Glacier, and it was out of the free box, or the, the hiker box, oh, but um, I think shrimp's kind of on the top of my scale. Oh, complete flip-flopper, okay, whew. Or the chicken picante, when you can get your hands on one of those, the spicy ones. I got some wiggle room with chicken picante, but... If, if you told me if you told me shrimp before this call, I'm I'm sorry. We would have had to we would have had to have different talks here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can I can uh, adapt. I'm <laughs> I mean, everybody has their preference, man. I, I love to hear it. So, Eric, thank you so much for joining, man. It was really awesome chatting with you, and yeah, it, I want to give you the platform for the last little bit of the show. Um, if people can kind of follow along with your journey, see what you're up to, the floor is yours. Yeah, well, so uh, my name's Eric once again from New Hampshire. I don't actually have any social media besides LinkedIn and Strava. And if you feel so inclined to want to f- follow me on either of those social medias, my name's Eric Kipperman, and I'll follow you back. But yeah, I don't really have any uh, social medias or any plugs. Um, just keep doing you, live the life you want to live. My friend Wayne always told me these, this this three-part saying is where you've been, where you are, where you want to be. And just, you know, keep keep that in the front of your head, in the back of your head. Just think about it. But I hope you have a great rest of your day, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me on. Really, really, really uh, I'm happy to have the opportunity to be on this platform. I've listened to so many of your other interviews, and thank you very much. Man, I loved having you on. Thank you. Well, folks, another week, another guest, another episode. We have been really enjoying sharing these stories and really diving into the minds behind the miles, the minds behind the hiker, the minds behind the outdoors person. We have been loving this format. We have been loving the conversations. So yeah, as this show has continued to grow, we have been really loving being able to share all these stories. So if you all really enjoy this show, this episode, this podcast, we would love to hear from you. So please, if you are able, Go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Leave us a rating and let us know. Let us know how you are enjoying the show so we can continue to share and we can continue to spread these stories as we dive into the who and the how, not necessarily the what, as we get to take a look into the minds and really see what makes these hikers tick, really see what makes these hikers, these outdoors people, these climbers continue to want to live a life of adventure. So... Yeah, please leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Like, subscribe. Every little thing really helps us and fuels us to continue to share these stories and to continue to let us have these conversations with more amazing people. And as always, if you have a suggestion, if you know of somebody that you really want to hear on the show or you yourself want to be a guest on the show, please email us at offtrailpodcast or visit our Instagram page at Off Trail Podcast and communicate with us through there. Send us a message, follow along, get updates on the new guests that are coming out, the new episodes that are coming out. We would love to share your story. We would love to hear from you. Any suggestions, any guests, all are welcome. Hope to see you next week on 
and off trail. <laughs>